Good afternoon. This is Mike High, and I'm here with Steve Manette. Hey, guys. And we are on Chapter 2, Episode 2 of the Men's C3 4x4 Groups, and it's good to be here with you. Today's topic, or perspective, is about what it would be like to walk, eat, pray, do life with our friend Jesus. And it's you know, kind of at some some level an abstract or kind of silly proposition, but at another level, it's, it, it's an important understanding. It, it highlights how we relate with Jesus and what we understand about Jesus. So when I think of Jesus and his first four by four group, it was Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And can you imagine being in that group? Nope. I can't really either. I, you know, now I have an older brother, and you are the oldest yep. brother, right? But I, I had an older brother, and James had Jesus, which was his older brother. James was his half brother, and he was, uh, he was exceptional at school. And so I kind of lived in his shadow. But I, can, I can only imagine living in the shadow of my half brother Jesus that James had to go through. But there's this group, this four by four group, and they're they're doing life together. And it's obviously the scripture tells us that that was kind of his group that he he hung with. He did life with. But last week I laughed because I had asked you at some point, I said, what do you think it would have been like to to be friends with Jesus right now? If he was he was one of your friends and you kind of went, oh, yeah, I didn't think he'd be very fun to be around. <clears throat> so as you think about those guys you would uh, invite over for the Super Bowl, for example, I don't think he'd make the list. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think he would enjoy uh, – I don't think he would enjoy it. I don't know that I would enjoy it sitting around on the couch with chips and dip and beverages and <laughs> <laughs> watching the game with Jesus. I, uh, I, but I don't want to give the wrong impression here. I do want to um, make sure that y- you know that I would love, I would yeah. adore. Uh, aside from the reverence of having the creator of the universe sitting with us here, I would – cherish time with Jesus because there's there's still a ton of mysteries about mm. about life about who I am as a man about why I do certain things why I can't stop doing certain things why um why my teenager is the way he is you know there's all kinds of things that I I feel like he could give me some answers to yeah. um that I I uh, maybe even my my impatient self give me answers to faster that I'm getting them today yeah. through my relationship with him. I think that's just a, a real honest answer with regards to, because I, I do think that there's probably been no other person in history more polarizing than the person of Christ. And when, when Jesus walked this world, both believer and non-believer shared something profoundly in common, and they both, both were surprised by Jesus. They couldn't figure out what he was doing, how he was doing it, but they were both convinced he was doing it wrong, wrong, and that we want it done a different way. And so I just, it, it so reveals that us, you and me, and the men in your C3 4 by 4 group have an idea of how ministry should go, how relationships should go, how walking with Jesus should go. And yeah. repeatedly, whether believer or unbeliever, it was wrong. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I think we can get hung up on uh, how things should be uh, based on our opinions and our opinions are based on you know how we interpret the world and our biblical worldview which I think is another topic we're going to discuss another time but I you know Jesus is one of those <clears throat> one of those individuals who 
tells you how it is. <laughs> right. And it's not based on his opinion. Right. He's, he's the source of truth. And so I think that's another thing that would be a little disconcerting about having Jesus around is that you're not going to banter about, you know, whether this is right or you're right or I'm right or <laughs> maybe, you know, is he's going to say something, you're going to go, okay. Yeah, but the, here's, the, uh, here's the profound part of that. There, he didn't present as pious. He, he presented as a pleasant person. He liked to go to dinners and to parties and to weddings, and he was the kind of person that actually got invited to those kinds of things. And, and he was open and honest, and I love the fact that children loved him. You know, that's, that's the kind of person he was. He made others feel welcome, and he cared deeply for them. And, and uh, you know, I grew up in a Midwestern home, and it was to share emotionally how you felt about another person was a little awkward. That was not a, you know, my father grew up in the Second World War, and a little more, uh, you kept those emotions inside, uh, not unlike the Stoics at one level, but the Stoics believed that the, it, it was... Uh, it wasn't super spiritual to, to show your emotions or to show that you care deeply about someone or something. They, they were kind of above that. And yet here's Jesus, and he's delightful. And he's clothed in humanity, but, but he's, he's God. Well, and I think, you know, growing up in the South, there was this expectation about how you were supposed to act and it was really centered around I remember my mom telling me kind of it was centered around being polite mm. and I think being polite is different than being pious you talk about Jesus being a pious person <clears throat> and for for being polite it was all about making sure that others didn't feel uncomfortable about the what you said or about how you acted or whatever yeah. and I, Jesus wasn't about that either he, he didn't mind making you feel uncomfortable. There was definitely a consistent disruptive yeah. theme in his life. And that, but I, that theme comes out repeatedly with both uh, Christian and, and non-Christian. I mean, the, he, he, Jesus was always so perceptive. He would see through to the real need, not just the presenting problem, the presenting issue at hand. And he would, he, that's why he rarely answered questions directly. He rarely answered the question that was being asked. He would answer at a level two and three and four times deeper. And he, he was just perceptive. He would look through to a man's heart and speak to those issues. That's, that's unsettling. Totally. It's but, life-giving, but yes. it's unsettling. <laughs> it's the, the journey to get there is very uh, fraught with danger, but the destination is very rewarding. Yeah. Uh, and I think those... I think about even the disciples um, as they as they probed the reason why Jesus was there and who he was and what he was about. Um, at times they were confounded, but there were moments when they got glimpses into who he was and they were astounded. They were, and just like I have been over the years, yeah. uh, you know, there, there are times when Jesus shows himself clearly to me and I'm stopped in my tracks. And I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop uh, relating those things and those truths to others. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there's um, there's no difference. I don't think uh, if he were here today, how um, confounded we would be as a culture. Yeah. 
to him as, I, I, as they were back then. I think of even, you know, even being pleasant was disruptive yeah. in its nature. Cause well, you're, you're to be King and you're to uh, have all power and this thing, and you're being nice to me. What that, that doesn't really come. And you're, you're not really answering my question, but you are answering me and that's unsettling. That's disruptive. And, but I, I think even more deeply than his nature was to relate with others and, and invite them to pick, to choose, to make a decision. He, he regularly invited people into the crisis, not really kept them from it into the dilemma, if you will. But he was about helping you make a decision, decide, make a choice whether it was the woman at the well or the, the holy man on the road or the leper or the thief or, or, or the disciples. And ultimately, you and I, he invites us daily to pick. Uh, choose you this day whom you will serve. Yeah, and I, uh, again, I think spiritual maturity uh, allows you, the, the, the more time you spend in the saddle with Jesus, the the easier it is for you to kind of rest in that in, that tension, that uncertainty, that when you're asked to choose, when he's confronting you, you know, now after 30 years of being a Christian, I'm able to kind of sit in that for a second and go, well, what, what am I really supposed to be learning here? Instead of running away from that discomfort or, mm-hmm. or dodging it or trying to stuff it somewhere, um, I'm able to kind of rest at it and kind of maybe even learn something and change from it. Yeah, the we've been recently uh, cleaning the house and uh, kind of going through old clothes and different things. And uh, there are a few things as difficult to uh, more than making decisions, one decision after another, one decision after another. And yet Jesus regularly confronts people with making decisions. You know, I think about that. Uh, just a side note here. I remember going through... Uh, Robert Lewis's book, Family Values. Yeah. And one of the benefits of going through that was to establish those values as a family so that when you're presented with a decision that those values spoke to, there wasn't this moment of crisis. And I think that's what another thing that Jesus was trying to do was he was trying to establish kind of this normative counterculture that said, here's, here's really what a relationship with your God means and looks like. And there will be times where you're persecuted. There'll be times when you're tried. There'll be times when there's cause for celebration. And the way in which you move through those needs to be based on kind of this relationship, these, these things that I'm talking about so that you know, and you're not confused about what's expected of you. I, so I grew up in Minnesota, and you grew up in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Yeah. But I think we both shared a certain parental style that said, you do want to you want to be polite, you you want to extend certain social graces. For me, to make someone pick was rude. Right. It was you didn't want to do that. You you let them do that. You didn't constantly. Um, present to them this collision of things that it's either this or this, what's it going to be? And yet Jesus regularly does that. And so for me, one of the, one of the things that's had to shift is uh, when it comes to things of great value, it's 
not necessarily rude and it can be life giving to help people choose. Right. To invite them to make a decision because as we all know, no decision is a decision and we can just tread water. We can, we can sit in the malaise of indecisiveness in ways that we think, well, I'm not doing that bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and again, it's the, the frog in the boiling water or, you know, you throw him in a pot of boiling water, he's jumping out, but you set him in there and turn the heat on and he'll, he'll die. Slowly cooks to death. Yeah. And so I think, um, for us, we've got to, we've got to understand that, that the world, um, needs Jesus, right? I need Jesus as part of the world. And so, um, for us to, uh, uh, reflect on and, and, and think about the perspective of who Jesus is and why he matters to me. Uh, this has helped me kind of discover that maybe that's something I need to spend more time on. Yeah. Uh, so in January, like I said last week, we, uh, I've kind of gotten more reflective and done some things and bought some books and starting to journal and, and God's, I don't know what he's up to yet, but he's got me in this reflective state. And so, um, I think that there's probably a time for me to spend with just thinking about after 30 years, you can kind of dismiss or get comfortable with the person of Jesus. But I think there's more yeah. yep. that, that uh, he's got for me. Well, and the, the simple fact that Jesus, when he engaged with people, he didn't do so as a, as a project, as something to fix per se, even though we know you and I, yeah. we are projects. Right. He's got a plan for us. <laughs> but even more than that, he wanted us. He wants my heart. He wants a relationship with me. And, and yet sometimes we can approach people and their instinctive response is, oh, I, I'm just, I'm just someone to fix. Yeah. I'm just his project. And, uh, I think, I think at the core, the heart of that was that the people didn't perceive being projects because primarily he came so demonstratively as a servant yeah, he established the relationship as the priority, right? So I can think about uh, when I was discipled in college, it was definitely a process. We um, went through this process. We studied these books. We memorized these scriptures. Um, and there was also a relationship. So the guy who discipled me made sure that I knew above all else that he cared about me. And that the process was simply the training that would help uh, establish behavior that would take me on beyond being a disciple to being a disciple maker. Right. And so um, I think that the the key there is, is so as we think about discipleship, learning the art of discipleship from the person of Jesus is the key, that he brought the relationship first, and then the training came in the context of that relationship. And he demonstrated regularly because he could have, could have chosen a prestigious and painless path, but he doesn't. He repeatedly demonstrates being a servant. I mean, it's probably no better demonstrated than washing the disciples' feet. And even that was uncomfortable for them. You're not going to wash my feet. You're the king I'm of kings. I'm not washing your feet, bro. <laughs> That's not where I'm going with that. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's uncomfortable for me to think about today. It is. I think that's a very nature of why it was demonstrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never had, by the way, I've never had my feet washed. I've heard it's pretty cool, though. I have one time, and it's uncomfortable. 
primarily because I'm ticklish. All right. Well, here's here's my point on that is he regularly broke the rules of what it was to, to be thought of as holy and upright. They wanted a, a king, a powerful economic and political leader, and he comes as a suffering servant. And, and he tries repeatedly to demonstrate the strength of weakness. Of actually, there is strength in this context of, of being a servant. And he, he demonstrated, for, you know, not to the elite, but to the, to the least of these. He brought freedom to uh, enslaved prostitutes, and he touched lepers, and he healed on the Sabbath, had dinner with sinners and tax gatherers, as the Scripture says. And, and <laughs> here's the part that I think is so counterculture. None of that helped his social standing. None of it. And it would be interesting to see what his uh, Facebook account would be like, if he even had one. Yeah, he'd probably be canceled, but um, <laughs> he would definitely he be would canceled. definitely be using social media to disseminate wisdom, and not to share the, you know, the big fish he caught last year. Or, yeah, you know, whatever. it would be to meet the real needs, not just the perceived needs. And sometimes that may be a word. Sometimes it may be food. I don't think his discussion threads would be very long either. <laughs> you don't want to argue with Jesus much. <laughs> I, I think of John the Baptist. Here's the guy that struggled with what Jesus was supposed to be like, and uh, and he just he struggled with it the whole the whole time. And I'm I'm laughing, thinking you had one job from the womb. <laughs> you, had you had one job. One job. Just. <laughs> Here's what you, you need to do. And yet he wrestled. He says, you're not, you're not like you're supposed to be, Jesus. And I'm, I'm the one announcing your arrival. And you ultimately are supposed to bring one thing, judgment. And he brings grace and mercy. What a, <laughs> what a curveball. Yeah. Well, and, and, and John, um, he, of all the people, uh, his entire life was, was there to kind of announced to the world, this is the Messiah. And he had it upside down. He's like, uh, I'm supposed to baptize you. No, 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 no. Mm. You're, you're right. the Messiah. I need to be baptized by you. And yet Jesus was like, hang on, dude. You've got this backwards. I'm telling you, believe me. Let's right. get this done uh, because um, we've, got to, we've got other things to do. Yeah. And John, um, he just, it was, I, I, I see myself in that. Yeah, that we have an idea of what being spiritual is supposed to look like, to be a, what being a friend of Jesus looks like, and yet it was always turned on its head. I, I think of the the category of how he was supposed to really separate himself from the ordinary and the weak, yet his answer was to love and serve those people in extraordinary ways, to, to love and serve the weak. And so we, we see all these just pretty mind-boggling categories of how I, I think we think it should be this way, and then Jesus repeatedly says, oh, it's a little, little different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it a little bit. And that's that, that polarizing nature. And the fact that he was probably more, probably both more pleasant and disruptive. Yeah, pleasant yet makes you feel really uncomfortable. And especially in his ability to perceive the needs of your heart. Yeah. See through all the junk and everything and just, here's your core need. 
if I were to if I were to think about one thing on this topic that's missing from men's lives today, and I think is that's I think that's it. Mm-hmm. We have very few sources that are speaking to the heart of what it means to be a man these days. And I think it's an important thing to consider, especially as we think, as we take time in our four by four groups to talk about the person of Jesus, the perspective of who he is to recognize that he's the primary voice for you to know what it means to be a man. He's the source of truth for that. And if you're not at least exploring that voice and listening and asking for that voice to speak into your life, when you're asking for others to speak into that life or speak into your life from other places, uh, then there's probably a mix, a priority mix that needs Mm. to be adjusted there. Yeah. So when we look at what it would be like to walk with Jesus physically right now, eat with him, talk with him, have him be in your four by four group there, you know, for me, there's been some, some eye opening observations. One is that I think he, he was both pleasant and provocative in that disruptive way that he was responding to the real needs, you know, for the ability to see the real need and then to try and help meet it physically, spiritually, he was, that's what he did. And he demonstrated power so differently than I think we often long for it to be demonstrated. He demonstrated it through being a servant. Great words, great challenges for all of us. And so let me speak in behalf of Steve and myself here. It is our desire that as you listen to this and you think about some of those categories of the polarizing nature of Jesus, we really want you to just be able to interact over what is your opinion of Jesus? Would you like to have him at your Super Bowl party? <laughs> um, is there, a, is there a, an understanding enough that you might grow in love? You, you can only love someone to the degree that you know them. And so if we have kind of a, uh, an incomplete or superficial, and we all have somewhat of a superficial understanding, but we're growing in it of what it means to be in relationship with Christ. But until that continues to grow, our capacity to love is is linked to that. So think about these categories. Have a a great discussion about some of these things. And Steve? Yeah, I just, as you were talking, um, I want to challenge you guys to maybe think of one question that you might ask Jesus. What's the one, if he gave you the opportunity, he he, uh, came to your front door, he says, I got time for one question. What would it be? Hmm. I don't know what mine would be right now, um, but I'll I'll let you guys know because I I think it's an important thing that that uh, we need to have that next question on our minds and our lips and start asking him what he would what how what what his answer would be. It's so difficult because you don't want to squander it with like a hey where's my phone? <laughs> no, don't do that. Okay, guys. Till next week. See ya.